worship team. Man, I, first of all, I just want to say how proud I am of all of you that are right here live in person. Yeah, huh? give, give it up for yourself. You get another gold star. I gave a gold star out at the very beginning of the year, so why not give another one out today just for you braving the elements to be here. And those of you online, uh, we all wish you we were like you in pajamas drinking coffee and hot chocolate and just enjoying everything from the comfort of our couch. But, you know, we're not going to hold it against you or anything like that. But, man, my name is Brad. I'm the lead pastor and one of the teaching pastors here. And before we jump into our teaching today, I just want to, you know, give you another clue in of some of the things that are happening here. On February 20th is our baptism service. And we love doing baptism around here. We love hearing stories of life change and, and just people taking next steps. That's what we are all about here is people taking taking next steps. And, and you know, at, over the last, you know, many months, we've challenged you in many different ways in some of the teachings we've done and things. And I know for a fact that many of you have taken next steps. And as we've talked about being new this brand new year, what a better way to start and say, you know what, I am a new person. I have made a decision. I have made some commitments. I have taken some next steps than being baptized. And we just would love to celebrate that with you uh, coming out here. And, you know, maybe you came from a faith tradition that you were baptized as an infant. And, um, and that's awesome. But, you know, that was a decision made by, by your parents for you. And as, as great as that is, maybe now that you, you, you've kind of matured in your faith and you said, you know what, this is about me. I have made this decision that I'm going to follow Jesus. This would be a great time for you to say, you know what, I'm going to get baptized now. Uh, because I have made that decision and I own it. And I, as we've been talking about this whole thing about being new, I just want to read you a, a scripture verse out of Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. Here's what it says. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. And I love that image. And as we see people going into the water and coming back out in that new life and, and the smile on their face and the hugs and the cheering and everything like that, there's nothing more exciting to us than than watching someone become a new person, and we love that. And we know that baptism doesn't save you, but it's an inward decision. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's, it's a, a, an outward expression of this inward decision that you have made. And uh, like I said, we just want you to pray about that. You know, Jesus himself was baptized. He didn't need to be, but it was an act of obedience on his part. So we'd love for you to do that. So anyway, here we are in the season of this, I, I don't know, I've always said that this beginning of the year is just one of those new seasons that you can say, you know, I'm going to start new. And we've been talking about this whole new thing, you know. And so All Things New is the series that, that, that we have been in. And we've challenged ourselves that instead of just doing something better this year, what if we allowed God to make us new? To start something very fresh and something brand new and, and just make this our best year spiritually yet. And we've been looking at that verse in, in Revelation chapter 21 where God says, I am making all things new. And I love that picture. And I think for a lot of us, we would love to, to have some things be different. We'd like to have some things new in our lives. And it starts with us. And if you're here, you know, in week one, I started talking about how we can belong to Christ. That it, when we belong to Christ, that he makes everything new, that we are a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. And then last week, Jordan talked about, about this, this whole thing about a new perspective. That we take we, we take the awe of God sometimes. We just get used to everything, and, and we don't stand in awe of, of the creator God. And, and he just talked about how we have to renew that in, in ourselves. And, and, and when we become this new creation, I, I think it's just incredible to step back and, and say, you know what, this amazing God of us did this for us. And so today we're going to take those two 
concepts, those two things, and kind of mold them together. And we're actually going to talk about a subject that maybe we haven't talked enough about or we don't hardly ever talk about it in the church, and that is one of holiness. And it's interesting because when you, I don't know what you think of when you think about the word holiness, but we do this we call it a link class, but it's not really a class. It's actually just a, a meeting. And so if you are newer, newer to Crossbridge, we actually have one coming up. A lot of ads today, isn't there? Coming up on February 27th, we're going to do a, a link class for, for people who are pretty new to Crossbridge. And, and this is just a time for us to get together, and we just ask questions. We just ask, say, hey, what do you want to know about Crossbridge as a staff? There's nothing off limits. We just answer those questions. And invariably, every time we've done this, we always get the question of, well, is Crossbridge a a denomination? It, or are you not a denomination or, or what is it? And we are actually, for those, I'm just going to answer it right now, is we are actually part of a church of God, which is, they say is not a denomination. They call it a movement. You know, it's a bunch of churches. It's really a denomination. But anyway, we are part of the church of God, Anderson. There's other church of gods also, but we are the one based out of Anderson, Indiana. College down there, you know, is, is our college and things like that. So that's where we are. And it was born out of the holiness movement out of the 1800s and 1900s, the holiness movement. So what does that mean? It was just this period of time where, where a, a bunch of people said, you know what, we, we need to get back to being, being holy. And, and there was other denominations, the Nazarenes, the Wesleyan movement was out of there. I believe even the missionary church is based here in, in Fort Wayne was, was based out of the holiness movement. And it's a term you just don't hear a lot about. And there's a lot of confusion about this term holiness, you know? And I don't know what kind of picture gets in your mind when, you, when, you talk about, when we start talking about, you know, we, we need to get back to the holiness movement. We need to be back, get back to holy. And, and I don't know, maybe you think of, you know, long skirts and beehive hairdos and, you know, what you, yeah, exactly, what, what kind of music you can listen to, you know. And, you know, I actually came, Barbara actually came across this this week. This, this is the kind of music you can listen to, okay. And it, the nice thing about this, you probably can't see it from way back there. I don't know if you can. Joe, I don't know if you can get a, a picture of that there on that camera or not. But anyway, um, along with long skirts and beehive, and this is the kind of music you can listen to. You know, it's, it's that kind of thing. Now, I know that some of you are vinyl collectors, you know, and this, I'm telling you, you know, it can be had if the price is right. And the good thing about this is these are actually my cousins, okay? So not only can you have the vinyl, I can get an autograph for you, all right? So, yeah, so you're all excited about that, aren't you? Anyway, yeah, there you go. I'll just put that down there right now. I don't think there'll be a swarm. <laughs> but sometimes that's the picture we have of, of, of this whole, you know, well, yeah, you know, then we're going to be called holy rollers, fuddy-duddies, all kinds of things like that. But the verse I want to really key on today is found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. That's kind of where we're going to hang out today. Here's what Peter says. But now you must be holy in everything that you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Now Paul actually goes in and he goes back to Leviticus 44 where, where God says, you need to be holy because I am holy. You know, and as, as Jordan last week was talking about getting back to the awe of God, that we've got to recapture that, that whole the awe of God thing, I believe that we also have to recapture the holiness of who God is. Because so, so often we, what we do is we start molding God in a picture of who we want him to be. What we're allowed to do, what we're not allowed to do. And, and we can't do that. God is God. And we have to go back to Scripture to see what, what he actually says. And it's so hard to wrap our mind around this whole holy concept. But start with this, is that God is perfect. 
God is perfect in every aspect of his, his being. He is perfect in everything he does. He's perfect in love. He's perfect in mercy. He's perfect in compassion. He's perfect in his wrath. He's perfect in his justice. Nothing he does is, is, is outside of perfection. He is set apart from anything else. We can't even imagine what it's like. That God is this perfect, holy being. There's no one like him. There's been times in Scripture, you know, I was thinking as I was preparing this week of, of Moses who goes to the burning bush and, and, and he sees this bush that is, is on fire but it's not being consumed. And listen to what happens here in Exodus chapter 3, verse 5. God tells Moses, do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God, the holiness of God. Here is Moses encountering God, and, and God tells him that the ground you are standing on, there's something different about this. You have to take off your shoes. You're on holy ground, and Moses is so afraid he doesn't even want to look at God. That's the respect. That's the awe. That's the holiness of God. And then we get a picture of this also in the book of Isaiah where Isaiah is, has this vision of, of, of seeing God in, in his, his throne room. And he says that his robe fills the whole room. And there's a, these seraphim, these creatures who are flying around, and they actually cover, they have six wings, and they actually cover their eyes with their wings. And they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the God Almighty. And they keep repeating it and repeating it because it's just the whole room is filled with this awe, this respect of the holiness of who God is. And Isaiah says this in verse 5, six, chapter 6, verse 5. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips, yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's army. He understands and realizes in this moment that he does not deserve to be there, that he can't be there with a holy God. It is so amazing. It is so inspiring. It is so whatever that, that I can't be there because of who I am. I'm sinful, and I've even hung around some sinful people, that God can't be anywhere near me. And then one of the seraphim goes over and gets a coal from the altar touches his lips and says, your sins are forgiven. And then we get another picture from John in, in Revelation chapter 4, and it's the same thing. He actually describes, I believe, the same, the same creatures flying around saying, holy, holy, holy is the God Almighty. And I believe we've got to stop not only in the awe of God, but understand how perfect and holy that he is. And we don't deserve to be anywhere near him. We can't be in the presence of a holy God because of our lives, because of our sin, because of anything that's happened. Back to our verse, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. I just want to read it to you one more time. Understanding that we can't be in the presence, and here's God saying, Peter telling us, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. We must be holy because God is holy. And the only way that we can be holy, the only way we can sit in the presence of God is because God made a way through Jesus that we can stand in his presence. 
that Jesus came and paid the penalty, paid the price for us, shed his blood so that we can be cleansed, so that we can actually stand in one day in front of God. And he sees us through the filter of Jesus. He doesn't see our sin. He sees the shed blood of Jesus. And we can stand in his presence and be in awe of his holiness. And there's more places that the scripture tells us that we are to be holy. Listen to this in 2 Timothy verse one, chapter, chapter 1, verse 9. He says, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. God chooses us, and then he saves us, and then he calls us to live this holy life, a life set apart working on our destiny, what God has called us to do, that we walk in his presence, we continue to become more and more like Jesus. That's what holiness is all about. This transformation, us being new, starts from the inside out, not just us saying, you know what, I want to do better this year. I want to be better on the outside. No, what we're talking about is something brand new, letting God come in and do a work through Jesus in us that transforms us from the inside out so that we become different people. We are brand new. That's what this new year needs to be about. There's a book by Jeff, Jerry Bridges uh, called The Pursuit of Holiness, and I love how he explains it here. This is what he says. To live a holy life is to live a life in conformity to the moral precepts of the Bible and in contrast to the sinful natures of this world. That's powerful. That our standard isn't what the world is. Our standard isn't what everybody else is doing around here. Our standard is the moral precepts of what the Bible is. It is to live a life characterized by the putting off of our old self and putting on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I love that. And Scripture continues, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. He says this, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. The writer of Hebrews actually says that, that we are supposed to, to work at this. We are supposed to work at being holy, that there's something about us establishing a lifestyle that we become holy. We come closer to who God is, what God is calling us. So what I want to do is I want to go back to our main verse today, 1 Peter chapter 3, but I want to back up a couple verses. Because I think Peter actually lays out how we are supposed to work at this, how we are supposed to become more holy. So we're just gonna, I'm gonna read the whole thing and then we're gonna break it down verse by verse. We're gonna start in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 this time. It says, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now, you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And so let's just break down these verses and, and, and talk about, about these things. The very first thing that he talks about in verse 13 is so prepare your minds. Prepare your minds. Have you ever heard the statement that an idle mind is the devil's workshop? That we've got to be very careful about what we're thinking about, what we're putting in here, what we're, we're consuming in our mind, what we're reading, what we're watching. So even the people that we kind of hang out with, you know, what, what happens, what has control of our mind, has control of everything. 
You know, I, I, I was always told growing up, you know, you put garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. Everything starts with your mind. And he goes on and says, and exercise self-control. Our self-control starts with us controlling our mind. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that we have the mind of Christ. That we, when we, when we start following Jesus, we have the mind of Christ. It separates us from the world. We think differently. We start processing things differently. It's in sharp contrast of what the world does. We are set apart. We have this revealed wisdom of God that we can start making decisions. It's what we call sometimes our conscience when you know and, and the Holy Spirit is telling us, no, this is not the thing that you should be doing. This is not what you should be thinking about. We have to control our mind. We need to prepare our minds. And here's the thing is when we start thinking this way, when we start acting this way, those around us who are non-believers, they don't understand it. And they, they can't understand it. Scripture actually says that they, they, they won't understand how you think anymore. That's how we prepare ourselves. The second thing that, that Scripture says is, is hope in grace and salvation. Listen to this. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ has revealed the world. I love that. Put all your hope, not just some of your hope, not just part of your hope, put all of your hope, everything that we hope for, everything that we, we live for, we gotta put our hope, it's gotta be centered on who Jesus is in our lives. And so often in our culture, I'm telling you, this is what we do, is, is we, have, we have God as part of our lives. We have our work life, we have our, our social life, we have our, our recreation life, whatever, and then we have a part of our, Jesus as part of our life. It's just part of that. And no, what Paul is saying here is that, that it's, we have to have all, or Peter is saying here is we have to have hope in it's all of our hope in this grace and salvation that every decision we make, everything we do, everything in our lives has to come out of a Christ-centered relationship. All of our hope is in nothing more than the grace and salvation of Jesus. The third thing he goes on to say is a life, live a life of obedience. Verse 14 says, so you must live as God's obedient children. And remember who is saying this. This is Peter, who, kinda, who is kind of a hothead, if you will. Remember Peter, he's the one that, that sliced somebody's ear off in the garden. Remember that? And this is also Peter, who, who's saying, you know, you need to live a life of obedience, who has struggled with this in the past. When Jesus himself says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times, and Peter says, oh, no, man. Gets a little bit bowed up and a little bit arrogant, and says, oh, Jesus, there's no way, man. I will die for you. There is no possible way that I'm going to deny you. Telling Jesus that. And here he goes and, and tells a middle school girl, you know, I don't even know who this man is. And here is that same man saying that we need to live a life of obedience because he, he knows and seen the resurrected Jesus. And then lastly, the fourth thing is we need to die to ourself. He goes on and says, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. See, you've got to understand that, you know, we said this all the time, you don't have to clean yourselves up to come to Jesus. You don't have to get your act together. You don't have to stop your addiction. You don't have to do anything. You can come to Jesus just as you are. Maybe some of you, me included, walked down an aisle of a church while Just As I Am was playing in the background, you know, probably, you know, 15 verses of it. You can come just as as you are, there is no question about that. But understand that God loves you so much that he is not going to leave you that way. 
And he's going to touch your life, and he's going to ask you to give up some things. He's going to ask you to become holy. He's going to ask you to become sanctified. He's going to ask you to walk the walk. He's going to point, pinpoint things in your life. You say, this just isn't quite right. It's not an all-at-once thing. It's a, a continuing, growing thing that we continue to, to walk in him, take one step after another step, and, and give up this and surrender this part of our lives. And when we understand another piece of Scripture, and then we, we start doing, doing this, See, what he wants is, is the best life for us. He wants you to live out your purpose. He wants fulfillment in your life. He's not going to leave you in the mess of the reason why you came to him. It's all about living a holy life. He wants us to be brand new. And there's verse after verse in the New Testament talking about how we are dead to the power of sin. But far too often what we do is we reduce this whole thing of holiness down into a formula, into some kind of equation where, you know, we, we read the Bible, we pray every day, and we multiply that times six days a week. Then we sprinkle in a little bit of, of, of giving, and speaking, sprinkle in a little bit of coming to church, sprinkle in a little bit of, of this, and all of a sudden, you know what? That's what holiness is, and we, we've made this formula about this. And you think that, oh, man, you're just golden because of all these things that I'm doing. This reminds me of the story of the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you need to keep the commandments. You need to, you know, <clears throat> not commit adultery. You need to not, not murder. You, you need to not steal. Don't lie. Honor your, your parents. And the rich young ruler says, oh, man, that, that is so cool. I have done all those things since I, I am little. It's, it's awesome. I'm in. And Jesus says, yeah, but you've got one thing left. You need to get rid of all your possessions and follow me. What Jesus asked is to surrender your life. It wasn't about just because he's rich, it's because that was the thing that was holding on. He was only wanting to do parts of it. He wanted to do this whole formula thing. If I do this, 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 and this, then I'm okay. And Jesus says, no, that's not the way it works. There's a surrender piece of your life. And see, we have always said here that Bible knowledge does not equal spiritual maturity. Nor does Bible knowledge <laughs> equal holiness. I was, as I was preparing this last couple of weeks for this message, I, I, I read some articles and some blogs, and this one article, I love this. He, the, the author wrote and said, you know, many people try and live a Christian life without Christ. I thought that was fascinating. Many people try to live a Christian life without Christ. We replace discipleship, getting closer to him, with technique that we replace worship with these emotional highs that we get when we come in and sing a, a few songs. We replace communion with, with Jesus, with these rules, practices. If we do this, this, and this, we jump through the right hoops. We do it off our checkoff list, and then we can become holy. We become experts in a Christian life. We become experts in a Christian life without growing any closer to Christ. Well, what we need to do is become more and more like Christ Holiness based on tactics and discipline is not holiness. What it really is is self-sanctification. It's where we get our holier-than-thou attitude when we can start seeing, oh, well, this is all the stuff that I do, and we can start looking at other people and say, well, they're not measuring up to what I do. And that's what we get known for. Basically, what we do is we become a Pharisee. And Jesus had nothing to do with that kind of religion. It's about us getting to know him better. 
Holiness is not knowledge. It is about transformation, life transformation from the inside out, that the old is gone and the new has come. I love that. And I think that's our challenge as we we stare down this 2022 with all the, the complications, all the problems that are still here. How can we become more like Jesus? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up one more time. <clears throat> and how I want to close today is by reading a lengthy piece of Scripture. It's not going to be on the screen. But I just kind of want to read it over you and, and just talk a little bit about it. And, I, and this thing just jumped out at me when I was reading it as, as I was preparing. It's actually uh, out of Colossians chapter 3. And here how Paul starts here, chapter 3, verse 1. Since you have been raised to new life, with Christ, set your sights on the reality of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about, again, renewing our mind, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and in God. And when Christ, who is your life, I love that, And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. He's talking about Christ being the center of everything that you do. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you, and we all have them. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. We're not part of this world anymore. We're new. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on Here's that picture again of putting on something brand new, putting on these clothes. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. That is what holiness is all about. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Us becoming like him. That is holiness. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter whether you're educated or didn't finish high school. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is Christ. Since God chose you to be, here it is again, the holy people, that's you and I, he loves, (laughs) since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. 
and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. All those things that Paul's calling us to be. <laughs> you notice it's not about a memorization of Scripture. It's not about how well you know the Bible. It's not about how much you prayed. Those things are all great things. And we need to do them all. But understand, that is not what holiness is about. It's about an inside renewing. It's about our character being changed, that we make a difference in the world, that we love people like never before, that we come alongside, that we put on the new. We become new people. We live differently. We're set apart from the world. That's what we're called. And you notice the words he used. You must do this. It's not an option for those who call ourselves followers of Jesus. It's evident that we're new creations. By the way, we're changed on the inside. And it manifests itself on the outside. How we love, how we live in peace, how we care, how we have compassion. And he goes on and finishes up in verse 16. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Isn't that the lives we want? We want to have our lives filled with the richness of Christ. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him to God the Father. We are representatives here on earth. We are to usher in the kingdom of heaven here on earth. We are the ones wherever you are, if you're in your schools, in your homes, in your workplaces, we are representatives of Christ everywhere we go. The way we treat our our waiters and waitresses, the way we treat the checkout lady, the way we treat anybody that we come in contact with, we are representatives of Christ. And our love and our compassion and our our Christ-filled lives ought to glow and make a difference in everybody we meet. That's who we're called to be. And I believe in 2022, we can become and get closer and closer to Jesus if we just strip away all those things and set our hearts and minds on pursuing this Jesus that loves us. We're going to sing a final song. (laughs) In verse 16, it said, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And that's what I want to do today is just end and let's sing this song with thankful hearts. Why don't you stand and I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to sing. Father, I pray that this will be a year that even through all the hardships, things aren't changing. Things, you know, it's just wild out there. But I pray by the end of this year we can look back and we say we are closer to your heart that we look a little bit more like Jesus. Father, I pray that you'll help us to take the next steps and you'll point out these things in our lives that you're asking us to surrender, that you'll speak to each and every one of us and that you'll move us closer and closer, that we can look more and more like Jesus. You are holy. You are amazing. You are awesome. And we stand in amazement and we love you 
and we're so grateful for it. We sing this song to you and give you the praise that you so rightly deserve. It's in the matchless, amazing name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.